So let's dig into the Word of God this morning together. Now we're in a series we've entitled Rebuild, and uh, we're in uh, the series as a result of God giving us a theme for 2021, which is Renew, Rebuild, and Restore. And so, so today I want to invite you to join me as we turn to the Word of God in Luke chapter 19, and we just kind of lay a foundation for this morning's teaching. In Luke 19, verses 9 to 10, it says, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to your house, because he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. This story is about Zacchaeus, a tax collector, who according to Jewish tradition, was not just a sinner, but a traitor. He was despised by his own people because he, being a Jew, was collecting taxes for the Roman Empire who were actually their oppressors. And yet Jesus was relentless in pursuing Zacchaeus' life. And so I want to talk to you today about being relentless in our faith. This word seek that Jesus used here is the Greek word zetio, and it means to inquire of or to go after passionately, to aim at or place a demand on. In other words, Jesus was relentless to go after Zacchaeus and to save him. The word savior is a beautiful word. It's, it's the word we get our word salvation from, and it's the Greek word sotsa, and it actually means to deliver or to protect to heal, to preserve, or to make someone well or whole. You see, when we receive Jesus and we receive his salvation or his sotsa, it actually makes us well and makes us whole again. So let's remind ourselves today that it always starts when we experience Jesus. And he is relentless in his pursuit of you and I. This word relentless actually means, according to the dictionary, to not let up on your intensity, your strength, or your pace in your pursuit of something. In many instances, it's used as a negative characteristic, but today we're definitely using it in a positive sense. You see, it's true that at the start of the story, Zacchaeus was actually searching out Jesus, But he didn't really want to search out Jesus. He wanted to know who Jesus was. And wow, was he in for an incredible treat. Because when Jesus revealed himself to Zacchaeus, everything changed in his life. Let's go back to the story, and we'll read it from the start in Luke 19 from verses 1. It says, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich, and he sought to see who Jesus was. But he could not because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when the others saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be the guest 
with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, look, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I will restore it fourfold. So we see from the story that firstly, Zacchaeus was a short man. And it's a picture to you and I that sometimes we can come short in so many areas of our lives. But when Jesus impacts us, when we experience the life of Jesus, it changes everything. And so that day for Zacchaeus, his heart was changed forever. And he became a generous person. He became a person whose life was impacted. And so today I want to look at three areas with you where we can encounter God being relentless towards us. I'm sure there are many other areas and you can probably choose a whole lot of your own. Like God's relentless in his forgiveness towards us. He's relentless in bringing healing and restoration to our lives. He's relentless in compassion and in providing for our needs. But I've chosen three that really impacted my life, and I'm sure they'll make a difference in yours. The first one is God is relentless in his love towards us. And for that, I want us to look at the life of Peter, the apostle in the New Testament. Think about Peter from their very first meeting where Jesus called Peter to be his follower. He became one of the three closest people to Jesus while he was here on earth. But even after that, after swearing to Jesus over all the other disciples that he would never leave Jesus, he would never let Jesus go no matter what, he ended up betraying him on the night that Jesus was taken to be crucified, even after Jesus had warned him that it was going to happen. And he basically backslid, went back to fishing. But you know what? Jesus was relentless in his love for Peter. And so after his resurrection, he came after all of the disciples, but especially Peter. Have a look what it says in Mark 16, verse 7, as the angel appears to those who were at the garden looking for Jesus' body. And, and they say to them, go and tell his disciples and Peter. Mark 16, verse 7. Go and tell his disciples and Peter. Notice, he doesn't mention any of the other names, but he mentions Peter because he wanted Peter to know that his love was abounding towards him, that his love for him was unconditional. And they said that he's going before you into Galilee and you will see him there as he told you. We read on later on in John chapter 21 that Jesus restored Peter. And as the father's love had changed him, Peter became humble. Peter became real. And you know what? He became a relentless follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see today, Jesus always looks beyond your current shortcomings, your missed steps, and he loves you back to life. You can write this down. God's love unlocks our potential and sets us on the course to fulfill our purpose. No matter where you are, no matter what's going on currently in your life, no matter what you're facing, Jesus is calling you just like he called Peter and he's mentioning your name. The next one is, we see that God is relentless in his grace 
towards us. And for that, I want us to look at the life of Paul. We know Paul, who originally his name was Saul, Jesus changed his name to Paul, had become a trophy of God's grace. He went from persecuting the early church and killing Christians to an encounter with Jesus that changed his life forever. And as you and I study the New Testament, we'll realize that grace had a deep meaning in the life of the Apostle Paul. In his letters to the early church, he used the Greek word chorus, most often translated grace, more than a hundred times. Remarkably, the subject of grace shows up multiple times in each and every one of Paul's letter, letters. God's grace had impacted his life. We know the story in Acts chapter 9. Jesus knocks him off his horse and he has this incredible encounter. Think about this. Paul was literally persecuting the church and stopping it from advancing. He was taking people's lives and Jesus could have just killed him. But instead, Jesus was relentless in his love and grace towards the apostle Paul. And so he uplifted him and he set his life on a new trajectory. God will do the same for you and I. You see, because God's grace unlocks Christ's ability in our lives. And it gives us the confidence that we too can fulfill our purpose and become Christ-like. The third one I want us to look at is that God is relentless in his faithfulness. And for that, we want to look at the life of Moses. Think about Moses. He was hidden as a baby. He was then adopted and brought up in the Pharaoh's palace. He was then exiled from his people. He was exiled from Egypt because he stood up for his people. And he spent 40 years on the backside of the desert where he tried to make his, a life for himself outside of the will of God. But God had called him as an instrument that he would use to deliver the people of Israel. And through all of that, Moses experienced God's faithfulness. And one day, as he was walking back from uh, shepherding the sheep, he had an encounter at the burning bush where God once again revealed himself to Moses and reminded him that he was called for a higher calling, just like you and I. And throughout all of this process, God remained faithful. You see, the faithfulness of God is revealed throughout the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 37 verse 3, it says we can actually feed on God's faithfulness. God is faithful and his word is true. Testimony after testimony is found of God's faithfulness throughout the Bible. But not only throughout the Bible, in the lives of people today. And I'm one of them. I can testify to God's faithfulness. In fact, accounts of God's covenant with his people can be found approximately 277 times in the Bible. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verses 9. It says, Therefore, know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant 
and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. God's faithfulness unlocks perseverance in our lives and it gives us the endurance to finish our race. Because God is faithful, we are never at the mercy of the world. God is in control of the church and of our lives, and his answer to our prayers is never late. So be encouraged today. You see, it's time for you and I, as believers and as the church of Jesus Christ, to become relentless in our pursuit of God, to become relentless in our faith. And we can experience, and when we experience God's relentless love, his grace and his faithfulness in our lives, you know that it builds our faith and it makes us relentless in pursuing God's plan for our lives and in following Jesus. Look what it says in Romans chapter 12, verses 11 to 13. In the message translation, it says, Don't burn out. Keep yourself fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerful and expectant. Don't quit during hard times. Pray all the harder. Help the needy. Be inventive in your hospitality. So by being relentless, I'm talking about that once we're born again, it's like there is a spirit of determination that rises up within us and we become passionate and on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Romans 12 in the Passion Translation, it puts it like this. It says, be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion towards him boiling hot. Doesn't that sound like being relentless? Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in a time of trouble, but commune with God at all times. Take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them. Can I encourage you today? You see, it always starts with Jesus. Remember we said that at the beginning of the story when we looked at Zacchaeus? Yes, he wanted to find out who this Jesus was. But Jesus pursued him. Jesus was relentless in coming after him. And so when he did that, you know what happened? It changed Zacchaeus' life. And so it's not like we are relentless in pursuing God because you know, we're trying to do something for God. We're doing it as a result of what God has already done for us. You see, when we experience his love, when we experience his grace and his faithfulness, we become relentless ourselves in following him. And I want to look at three areas where we become relentless today. And I hope it will encourage your faith and strengthen you in your walk with God. We become relentless, firstly, in pursuing Jesus. And you know, we're going to look at all these lives of the men we just looked at, Moses, Paul, and Peter, and see how they were relentless in pursuing Jesus. In Exodus 33 and verses 14 to 16, it says, And he said, God speaking to Moses, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. 
You see, Moses was adamant. Man, Lord, I'm pursuing you, and I want you to go with us. And if you don't go with us, then we don't want to go. We want to be where you are. In verse 16, it goes on and says, For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Sometimes we think, and sometimes it even feels like, we don't have what it takes. But just like Moses said, just like God said to Moses, when he said, Lord, I can't do this, I'm not able, I don't have the experience, I don't have the skill, or whatever your excuse is or my excuse is, God said to Moses, what's in your hand? What is in your hand today that God can use? We read it in Exodus chapter 4, verses 2 to 3. We won't turn there. As you see, God said to Moses, what's in your hand? And Moses says, I've got this staff or I've got this rod. And God wants to take the natural things of your life, the things that you think are just natural, and he wants to put his supernatural blessing upon them, the anointing makes the difference. And you see, what he said to Moses, when Moses said, I've got this rod, God said to him, throw the rod on the ground. And we know the story, it becomes a serpent. And why did it become a serpent? Because it's a picture to you and I that whatever we have in our hand is still tainted by our human nature. It's still tainted by our human works and our own ability. But when we throw it on the ground, it's like we're surrendering it to God. And when we surrender it to God, he tells us to pick it up again, but we've got to pick it up at the tail. And how many you know you never pick up a snake at the tail because it'll turn and bite you? But when we pick it up at the tail, God takes the head and he blesses it. And he turns our natural into supernatural. And so, beloved, when we focus on God, when we surrender to God, he puts the touch of his blessing on it. And we know that rod of Moses how effective it was. It delivered the Israelites out of the hand of the Egyptians. It split the Red Sea when the Egyptians were chasing them down and it caused water to come out of the rock. Then we look at the life of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 2. He says, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Isn't that amazing? Paul was one of the most studied and experienced people. He was qualified. He had experienced the life of Christ. He had experienced the grace of God. And yet he made this statement. He says, when I came to you, I determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And then we see Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. He makes this statement. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him, Jesus, who has called us by glory and virtue. See, Peter understood that what he had in his own ability was always limited. But what he had when he experienced the life and the love and the grace of Jesus Christ revolutionized and changed the playing field. And therefore today, we need to be relentless in chasing after and pursuing the Lord Jesus Christ. 
in pursuing his word and his presence. You see, we must have the foundation of a personal relationship with Jesus. Man, we, we don't want religion. We don't want formula. We want relationship. We want intimacy and fellowship with our living God. Paul and Peter and Moses were devoted to a person and not to a cause. They followed a cause as a result of the person. They were absolutely relentless in their pursuit of Jesus. Number two, the second thing, or the second area we need to become relentless in as believers is we need need to become relentless in pursuing the church and God's people. Think about Paul. You know, in this series, we've been talking about rebuilding the walls of our lives and that of others. In other words, becoming Christ's building. And Philippians 4 verse 1, Paul makes this statement. He says, Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Listen, listen to the language he's communicating. There's, there's a heart and a passion and a love, not just for Jesus, but for his people, for the church, and for the life of Christ in them. Paul was passionate about the church. He realized that it was the grace of God in the church that made the church the hope of the world. And we should feel exactly the same. Let's look at some of the statements that Paul made to the church. In 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 10, he says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than all of you. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. You see, by the grace of God, we should be relentless in loving his church, in serving his people, and in shining the light of Christ wherever we go. The next scripture is 2 Corinthians 8 and verses 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, yet though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Again, Paul wanted to to help the, the children of God and the church of Christ be enriched by helping them to understand the fullness and the completeness of the salvation we have in Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, he again says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Not for some, for every good work. And so here he speaks to the fact that when we are in love with Jesus and pursuing him and we begin to pursue his church and and, and build people, that we must never stop being generous. That's why bringing your tithes and bringing your offerings into the house of God and sowing into the work of God is such a pleasure, such a privilege, and such a treasure because it causes God's covenant to be established in the communities where we serve. And then finally, uh, in 2 Corinthians 12 and verses 9, the Apostle Paul says this, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in in weakness. 
Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul was saying this. When we begin to pursue Christ, when we begin to pursue his church, it's his grace working in us. And even despite our weaknesses, despite our shortfalls and our inability at times, it's the grace of God that enables us. It enables us to do what we could not do in our own ability. And it it creates in us the awareness and the inward strength and faith to allow Christ to shine through our lives outwardly in a lost and dying world. And then finally today, the third area that we've got to become relentless in is we've got to become relentless in pursuing the lost, in going after the lost. And the example we look here is in the life of Peter again. Being relentless in pursuing God is not always easy but it's definitely worth it. And you see, when that starts to take place, you know what God will start to do? He'll start to place other people on your heart. Because God doesn't want us to be inward focused. He wants us to be outward focused. Peter went from zealous with no depth to backslidden and disillusioned. But Jesus restored him. We saw that earlier. And when Jesus restored him, listen, God used Peter to preach the very first sermon of the church of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says on that day he preached. He preached with a fire. He preached with a zeal from the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 people were saved. We find that story in Acts chapter 2. Let's have a look at a couple of the verses. And you can go read that whole account in your own time. It's incredible. But in Acts 2 verse 14 it says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let let this be known to you and heed my words. Notice, when you get filled with the zeal and the power of God, you too will stand up and you'll be able to speak boldly the word of God. It goes on in verse 21. And it says, Peter continued preaching, and it says, And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then in verse 41, it says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to the church. Let me talk to you, encourage you about reaching the lost. You see, Sometimes when we, when we speak about reaching the lost, many people withdraw because they feel like, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to preach, I, you know, I, I'm not comfortable sharing the message of Christ. I want you to know there are so many different ways that we can be a part of and partner together in preaching the good news. Number one, you can spend time in prayer. You know, Jesus taught the disciples that they should pray that the Lord of the harvest send forth laborers. So you can commit yourself to praying for the lost and praying for laborers to go out into the harvest field. Number two, you can become a witness. What is a witness? Someone, someone who simply just tells other people and witnesses to what's happened in their own lives. The next area is you can sow your finances. You see, we're very intentional as a local church. We sow into evangelistic organizations. 
We sow into the lives of ministers and evangelists who preach the word. We sow into their lives because we know that they're going to reach the lost. They're going to reach out to those who are lost and dying. And they're going to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. We might not always have that opportunity. But we can sow finances to make sure that someone does have the resources to tell others about Jesus Christ. And finally, we can be a person who shines the light of Christ wherever we go by simple acts of kindness, by simply just being the person God created you to be, others will see Jesus in you. Let's be relentless in reaching the lost. Be relentless to stay in faith and to receive the promises of God for your life. Remember, you belong to Him, and He's given you a determined spirit so that you can be relentless in living for Jesus. Let's pray together today before we close. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We want to live that new life. We desire to be relentless in our pursuit of you and your promises. Please let each of us today experience your love, experience your grace and your faithfulness in our lives. We trust you to help us become all you created us to be and to experience true freedom in Jesus' name. Perhaps you're here today, you're listening to this or you're watching it and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. It would be my greatest honor to lead you in the prayer of salvation. If that's you, if you'll just put your hand on your heart and simply pray this out aloud and be sincere, It's a prayer from Romans chapter 10. Let's pray together. Pray this out loud. Say, Father God, I believe that Jesus is your son, that he died on the cross of Calvary so that I could be saved. I open my heart and I receive Jesus today as my Lord and Savior. And I say to you today, Father, thank you for saving me. Now, if you prayed that prayer today, you have just been born again. And the relentless love of God has impacted your life just like we read about Zacchaeus. Would you please send us a WhatsApp or send us an email and share with us what happened to you today. If you have a prayer request, you can send it to us. We'd like nothing more than to agree with you in prayer for whatever it is you're trusting God for at this moment. Our God is a great God and He wants to be part of your life. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope the word has impacted your life. God bless you. Have a fantastic week. And don't forget, you can join us on Thursdays at half past six for a short Bible study and a communion service. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you soon.